unfucking believable and how appropriate that we were planning to go live at 2 p.m. anyway. And then all of a sudden this news drops and I'm not really prepared for it because Tim Kelly has been hired as offensive coordinator. Charles London has been hired as passing game coordinator and quarterbacks. And the Chris Harris hire hire has been made official as well. Welcome into football and other efforts sponsored by Jaspers. I love Jaspers. I love it a lot more than I love this hire. Uh, this is going to be uh, a Tim Kelly as offensive coordinator is more than likely going to end in disaster. It changes my whole philosophy on this offseason. It changes it changes this entire show. It just changes this entire show. But you know what doesn't change and it doesn't affect is the good beer, the good food at Jaspers in Nashville. And guess what? Same location. West Nashville, or I guess it's downtown West End Avenue would be the better descriptor for it. Uh, I may have to go there on Sunday to drink my sorrows away for their two-for-one beer selections. Uh, you can watch the Preds there. Um, oh, man. Oh, man. Some news broke. Um, okay. Uh, well, I was going to talk about Aaron Rodgers and how I wish he would you know, die of dehydration in a desert. I was going to talk about maybe what's the difference between Lamar Jackson and, and Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. And I was going to talk about all, all this stuff. And then I... Am I uh, air? I had the air people come. They gave me the window of 12 to two. We decided we we're going to do two. Of course, they show up at 159. And I sit back down in my chair after talking to them, get them all situated. And you tell me that I, I, I thought you were just joking because <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. And I'm joined I would never by, do that to you, Zach. Yes, you I would. would. But I'm joined that. by Mike Herndon at Mike Herndon NFL. And I'm sure he's going to have a scathing review of Tim Kelly <laughs> that. You probably have to rewrite your whole article article that you're going to write for paulkarski.com, right? I was actually writing about something totally non-related to this, but um, yeah, it, it's it, it's so let's let's run through the other moves that are associated with this because uh, it's all just come out because um, there's a lot of it. It's so it's Tim Kelly goes to offensive coordinator. Charles London has been hired as passing game coordinator, and he he will now be the quarterbacks coach. Oh, um, yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, quarterbacks coach Pat O'Hara is now the team's passing game analyst, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> they also officially hired Chris Harris, as you mentioned, as defensive passing game coordinator and cornerbacks coach. Love that hire. That one's really exciting. And I, I, I like Charles London coming on as, mm-hmm. as passing game coordinator, too. I, I like some of that. Uh, Lori Locus, which we already knew, had been hired as defensive quality control coach, uh, formerly from the Bucks. Uh, Justin Hamilton, I don't know who that is, honestly, uh, has been hired as a defensive defensive quality control coach as well. Uh, Jason Houtling, uh is now the team's new offensive line coach. So they just promoted from within on offensive line coach as well. So the former assistant offensive line coach is now the full-time offensive line coach. Uh, Luke Steckel is the team's run game analyst, uh, no longer tight ends coach. Uh, Tony Dews is now the tight ends coach. Um, he was formerly the running backs coach. They don't have a running backs coach now, so they've still got to hire this, uh, that spot. And I guess that's it. <laughs> Pretty much everybody on the Fuck offensive staff moves positions. 
I, I hate everything about you just said, about what you just said outside of Lori Locus, Chris Harris, and Charles London. Like yeah. everything you said makes my head hurt. It makes me angry. It makes me pissed off. That what? I I mean I literally have a topic right here, and it's it's on this long list of topics. If you're watching on YouTube and, and on the live stream right now, it says. It's got to be Beanie or Nagy, right? <laughs> That's one of the topics was going to be. It's got to be Beanie or Nagy because why make us fucking wait through all this? Couldn't you have hired Charles London earlier this week? Couldn't you have hired? At this point, it must mean Eric Beanie is going back to the Chiefs, and Matt Nagy said, "No, nah, I'm not. I'm I'm ghosting you, man." Let me tell you something. Yeah, I don't know if it's Tim Hasselbeck or Trent Dilfer that's been on this tear on 102.5 that it's definitely Matt Nagy. Here's what I'll say to this Trent Dilfer or whoever it was. Any of these, any of these quarterback coach, quarterbacks, former quarterbacks, they don't know anything that's going on with the Tennessee Titans. And I'm sick of it. I want them all thrown off the air, off the radio. They're worthless. This is this is maddening because this is where where is the hope for the offense? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, in my my one word analysis immediately was just uninspiring. I mean, this is. It feels like this is just kind of like, oh, we're just going to throw all these coaches in a blender and see if it uh, works better with them sitting in different chairs. I, I mean, I I don't understand, like, where are the new ideas coming from? Because even even uh, Charles London, I, I think you kind of look at it and you say, okay, yeah, he's a new face technically, but he's coming from the same – like, he's coming from Arthur Smith. Like, yeah, that's – I don't know. I I just none of this feels like, like they're staying in the same direction is what this tells me. They are going to have the exact same fucking looking offense. Um, and we'll see if like maybe Todd Downing being just a shitty play caller was the whole difference. And maybe Tim Kelly will be better at that. I don't know. But my hopes are not high. I. You, there, it's this is maddening on a bunch of levels, and I really don't know where we start because my head is spinning. Like I, I cannot come to terms and believe that this is real. I'm I'm still waiting on someone to say February Fools, because this is this is fucking dumb. <laughs> like, how? Okay, how much leeway does Mike Vrabel have now with this offense? Because at this point. It looks like if I had to guess, if I had to guess, that means Ryan Tannehill's probably getting an extension, Derrick Henry's coming back, and they're just going to build around those two. So if you're just essentially running it back with hopefully a better offensive line coached by Justin, Jason Hotelling, which I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, I, think, I think you're right. Uh, Jason Hotelling. What is there to look at? I guess, how do you sell this to a fan base that was given the idea and hope that we're going to get really diverse, we're going to get creative, we're going to get better on offense. Hey, look at us, we're interviewing Eric Bieniemy. Hey, look at us, we're interviewing, you know, um, Matt Nagy. I, I don't, I don't understand where where the hope lies. Mike, help me find the hope. Help, help, because I know sometimes I spin and I go in this dark deep abyss and it's hard for me to get out and I'll be I'm I'm coming off a high. I mean I had the had fun at the senior bowl. I wrote a kick-ass article about Rand Carthon and his involvement and his philosophy approach at the senior bowl, which you can get at 
stacking the inbox.substack.com. Over 2,000 words. I was in the middle of doing some senior bowl pro comps that were associated with the 49ers. And then this, this bullshit happens. I mean, this bullshit just literally falls from the sky or comes up from hell to rip out any, any hope that I may have about this team in 2022 or 2023. In fact, Fast forward to 2024. I'm I'm ready for whatever's next. Like <laughs> I have just given up already. February bring, 2023. Zach has given up. <laughs> bring on uh, Caleb Williams and Drake May. Right. Um. I mean, it, I don't know. It, it, like I said, it it's really hard to be excited about. I guess if you're looking for hope, the hope is that look structurally, we know this offense generally works. Uh, we saw it work with Arthur Smith. We're obviously. Uh, you know, they're bringing back Charles London to be, which the other thing about Charles London being passing game coordinator, he's a fucking running backs coach. He's been a quarterbacks coach for one year. He's a fucking running two years, backs two coach, years, two years. former running back. Um, and he just called his first offensive play or f- first offensive game at the senior bowl. And like, I think he ran, see, he was the American team. They ran, maybe this is a good sign. <laughs> But they only attempted like um, where is it eleven rush attempts, if I'm not mis- if I'm reading this right. I think he only did eleven rush attempts. Eleven. Yeah. Well, which is which but- is okay with me, I guess. But then like he was a running backs coach, and now he's just maybe Mike Vrabel said, "Hey, I just want to see what all you do." And listen, some of the the passing plays were good. I thought they were creative. I thought people executed them well. I thought there was a lot of play action involved as well. But like, like you said, I mean, I was kind of okay with it being offensive coordinator, but pass game coordinator, quarterbacks coach, and this hoteling is is just who Keith Carter was. I guess he's a fatter, bigger version of Keith Carter. No offense to, I mean, he looks like an offensive line coach. So, I mean, hey, listen, here's some hope for you guys. As I just like, just totally derail this podcast. By the way, here's some hope for you guys. At least the offensive line coach looks like an offensive line coach. There's your hope. Cling to it. I mean, it's, <laughs> before before joining the Titans, <laughs> Wagner and Colgate. Holt Taylor was offensive line coach at Colgate, that powerhouse school. <laughs> what, hey, at least he at least he worked his way up from offensive coordinator to uh, head coach of Wagner in a few years' time. Yeah, well, <laughs> okay, here it is. His, his, uh, his nickname apparently is Haas, so maybe that explains why they fired Haas, the equipment guy. Oh, Too my gosh, houses. we found the Listen, sound the alarms. PK can write a third and final article on this firing of Haas saying, now we know why. And yeah, I, I think PK houses. should write this article, by the way. <laughs> he should write this article. Asked and answered Haas. For 40 years, the equipment manager Haas was fired to avoid confusion of Haas, the offensive lineman. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, like, definitely impossible to, like, really be excited about really any of these to me. Um, I just don't know. I mean, like, maybe these guys are going to be really good. Who knows? Like, there's always the chance. I think Brable's a smart guy. Like, if I'm looking for I hope, know, right? I don't, I don't. Know. We keep we keep going <laughs> negative. We keep going negative. I'm going to give us some hope here. Okay. 
I think Vrabel's a smart guy. I think he's a good football coach. I think he's proven to Do these mostly that kind be... of throw this into question though. <laughs> like how how long well, can we we live on this? Well, it, I think it does because of the I think <laughs> all right. So <laughs> let me be positive. Zach. Okay, okay, sorry. All right. Uh so I think Vrabel's proven to be mostly a good evaluator of coaching talent. I think most of the coaches he's hired have been pretty good for the most part. Um Todd Downing, an obvious exception, but you know, Matt LaFleur has proven to be a pretty good football coach. Uh, Arthur Smith is a very good football coach. Um, they have done some good things with coaching evaluations on the staff. Um, so I think we give it, we will have to, I mean, you're going to have to give it a shot either way, right? Like this, this is what I it don't is. know. These it doesn't really take too much to change the colors on these graphics to a different team. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's be honest there. I could easily change football and other efforts to be a Kansas city chiefs podcast. Well, that sounds lovely right now. <laughs> um, yeah. It, I don't know. It's, I, it's all very confusing to me. I mean, cause I guess basically, Rob Moore is the one guy that actually stays in his current role. Which AJ Brown, who I know I would never really say his name on the podcast, he gave Rob Moore props about the growth of the wide receiver that he is because of Rob Moore. So, I mean, obviously the rest of these guys, I guess, just suck at their job. And they're like, well, let's try a different position because I sure do like drinking with you guys. And I'd really hate to hate to to mess up our uh, weekends up at the cabin. I mean, it's it's just odd. I, I feel like maybe – I don't know what the Tony Dews going to tight ends coach thing is. I mean, Tony Dews has been a lot – he's coached a lot of different positions in his background. Do we know what time this uh, Zoom is going to be? Because I don't want to run it over into it. Yeah, um, that's true. No, I don't know yet. Um, but I think, I think he's only coached tight ends like three years total. So, I, you know, that's interesting – it does feel to me like they're setting up Tony Dews to eventually be an offensive coordinator um, by moving him to the tight ends coach role because we all know that's where Titans offensive coordinators come from. Even fucking Tim Kelly. Oh, uh, we know that he spent all his time with the tight ends last year. Oh, so apparently God. if you spend time with the Titans tight ends, you will be an offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, uh, Luke Steckel, I mean, they, I guess, run game analyst is a promotion, I guess. I assume um, so, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Let's let's rein it in. I'll try to rein it in as much as possible. We're gonna let's go. I, I got the list pulled up, so let's go one by one and do a quick snippet on them, and talk about try to be positive. Okay. All right. Okay. One, three, two, one. Charles London has been hired as pass game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. I like that Charles London is on the staff. I really like everything about Charles London, and I think that this is a good hire because I think he will eventually be an offensive coordinator because I spoke, I wrote a lot about Charles London at stacking the inbox of substack.com. He is fantastic in interviews. I, I thought that while he is first off, I'm taller than him, which is really weird because I was on the field with him at the same time at the senior bowl. So it's really weird that I'm actually now taller than a coach. I don't know what Keith Carter's actual height was, but I am at least taller, and I, I definitely weigh more than <laughs> Charles London. Charles London's very fit. Um, I thought he did a really good job with the quarterbacks focusing on the on on the offense as a whole, getting everybody you know rounded up. I, I will say this: that 
he was interviewed by the Rams. He was interviewed by the Dolphins for their offensive coordinator position back in 2020, heading into the 2022 season. So there's obviously something there that other people recognize besides Mike Frable. So I will give this hire, even though he's not offensive coordinator, I think this is an is a A grade. There's your there's a little bit of positivity. What do you think? All right. All right. I, well, what are your concerns, I, I guess? If you're now, now you could be negative. <laughs> I'll, I'll be ne- my My concern with him is just like what we talked about before. He's a former running back who spent most of it, or former running back who spent almost his entire coaching career as a running backs coach until the last two years. So I just, as passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach, I, I kind of struggle with like, what does he bring to the position that, I mean, it, it, especially and we can we can talk about this a little bit after we cool down from the <laughs> coaching stuff but especially if the the idea is that maybe they'll trade up or maybe they'll try to draft a quarterback this year and and Charles London's going to be charged with developing this guy as after 2 years of quarterback coaching experience like i, I just that to me is the big concern it's just a lack of experience with the position i mean if you know football you know football you're around football like all that stuff i get that but like Obviously, being able to teach technique and and things like that, I don't know. I I just would like to see somebody that's got a little bit more experience with that specific position being put in that role. I, I will say this, that in the interviews that he did, they talked about his transition from running back to quarterbacks coach. And he specifically, before he even knew he was getting the quarterback position, he went in and and started learning how to be a quarterback's coach before he ever got hired. He has technically, he's learned from Dave Rangone. He's learned from TJ Yates, Marcus Bradley, Pep Hamilton, uh, two offensive, I think all of them have been offensive coordinators, at least three offensive coordinators and a few quarterbacks coach in that. And he started that in 2019 before he was hired in 2021. Not a lot of experience. And then, of course, you're hired in 2021. You get the corpse of Matt Ryan. Then you get Marcus, who is not very good. And he did as much as he could with him. And then you also got Desmond Ritter, which I think was, uh, he started to show promise. So I I like the hire, maybe not the position of pass game coordinator, but as we saw last year, that's just a meaningless fucking title to Mike Vrabel. Because obviously, we from what reports were connecting the dots was that Tim Kelly was just a glorified assistant tight ends coach who's now offensive coordinator. Okay, so... Chris Harris has been hired as defensive pass game coordinator and cornerbacks coach. This is an official statement by them that he's been hired. I do not think, though, unless there's something in his contract that prevents him from interviewing with the Texans unless, A, he's already turned it down and we're just not aware of it, or, or B, he's already interviewed and they've already told him he's not getting it. No, uh, so Albert Breer reported that he interviewed yesterday for the Texans' D.C. job. And okay, is, so this must mean he he's is, taking the job. Yeah, if he does not get it, or maybe he's been told he's not getting it, and this yeah. is him officially taking it. But Breer, Breer's tweet said that uh, if Houston doesn't hire him as D.C., Harris will be locked in on Tennessee staff. So I guess this is the last one that they're yeah. really expecting after weather here. Yeah. I'm sure they they probably told him, like, look, at some point you just got to say, all right, I'm out, <laughs> and I'm going to be your coach for – this yeah. is a great hire. I think we yeah. both give this one an A+. Plus. For we're, sure. We're for sure excited about this. We think that it's going to be uh, awesome. And um, do you need to talk to me? Okay, hold on. You get, Listen, you talk about Lori Locust while I go talk about air conditioning. 
I will vamp. All right. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the Chris Harris thing because I, I think Chris Harris has done a really good job with the Washington uh, defensive backs. Uh, and if you look at their group this these last couple years, especially, it's not like he's been dealt like a ton of first round picks. Like it, ben, Benjamin St. Juice, um, you know, the Kendall Fuller, who you know I think is approaching 30 years old now. Um, they've had pretty like mediocre talent level guys in that secondary that he's really coached up and developed into a great group. Um, and it seems like he's certainly a future defensive coordinator. I mean, he's had a ton of interviews this cycle already for DC jobs. And I think the expectation has to be that he's probably gone next year. Um, if the defensive backs play well, but that's a trade you'll always take, right? Like it, the whole fear of like losing a guy at the moment that you sign him thing. The only way you're going to lose him is if the defensive backs play great. So you would certainly take a great year of defensive back play next season uh, and give up Chris Harris. If, if that means he has to move on after that, you certainly would make that trade. And then you just go try to find another good uh, cornerbacks coach because you don't want to hire a guy who stinks and nobody's ever going to want uh, just because he can stay around longer, like, you know, hire the best coach. And if that means he leaves the, then he leaves. Um, but I also think there's the, the, the long play here for the Titans of, Hey, Shane Bowen, if they, if the Titans have a good defensive season next year, maybe he gets off, you know, gets head coaching looks. And if he did, you have an automatic, you know, fill in of, Hey, we're just going to bump Chris Harris up to DC backfill his spot and roll on. So I, I think that's kind of, he's kind of the DC in waiting if anything was to happen with Shane Bowen getting a head coaching opportunity, which I think Shane Bowen would be a good head coach, frankly. And I think he should get looks and I'm surprised he didn't get any uh, interviews this year. Yeah. I was uh, a little surprised the Cardinals didn't interview him. Yeah, me too. Okay. Okay. Lori Locus, Great hire. I think we say this is an A plus hire as well. She's done tremendous work. Um, Vrabel has actually, I guess, would have interacted with her. She would have got on Vrabel's radar during the summer practices with the Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers. They've had two of them, if I'm not mistaken. Um, for all intents and purposes, everybody's talked about how great of a coach she is. I know that she it's being listed as defensive quality control coach, but we know that it's going to be with an emphasis on the outside linebackers with Ryan Crow, whereas her previous stop was doing um, the defensive line. Now, she's a former defensive uh, line player herself, an MVP for the Virginia Vipers. And um, so far, I mean, like, okay, Charles London, if you told me Charles London, Chris Harris, and Lori Lucas were hired on the staff, I'm feeling pretty good about it so far. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the additions... The additions are good. It's the <laughs> it's the shoveling around of the, the yeah. other. You know, okay, I got some information on Justin Hamilton, who is a former defensive back uh, out of Virginia Tech. He was drafted in yeah. 2006 in the seventh round by the uh, Cleveland Browns. He played there uh, one season and then one season for the Washington Redskins. He's been defensive coordinator for the Virginia Wise, v Virginia Military Institute, outside linebackers coach at co-special teams. Then he moved into inside linebackers coach at co-special teams and then director of player development for defense for Virginia Tech in 2018. Virginia Tech 2019, he was the safeties coach. And look at here, Virginia Tech 2020 to 2021 defensive coordinator and safeties coach. He is making the leap from there 
to being a defensive quality control coach. And you can probably venture to say that he's probably, maybe he knows Chris Harris. Um, maybe he is being brought in to help with the defensive backs and stuff oh, like he's, that. He's here to rehabilitate Caleb Farley. <laughs> oh is, yeah, uh, there you go. That's what it is. There you he go. He would obviously know Caleb Farley well, and, yes. and maybe uh, maybe that helps some some degree. Look at that. We're just connecting dots and finding good news everywhere. Caleb Farley, year three, full force, full in effect. I've been telling everybody this is it. I agree with them. There's just too many numerology uh, coincidences, and now you add in Justin Hamilton. Well, Justin Hamilton's job is just going to be able to is just going to be to like run behind Caleb Farley and hold his back together while he practices. He's just sitting there, just constantly <laughs> taping him, putting icy hots on his back. Just don't slip out. Don't slip these discs. All right, let's go through now the other side of it, the uh, the 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 replacements and stuff. We've already hit on Justin Jason hoteling. Um, I I don't understand this part because unless that Jason was sitting there and just telling Keith Carter that you're wrong, we don't need to be doing this, or we should have been doing this, and hey, if he did, Raiden's is better than Dennis Daly. Yeah. let's try it. <laughs> And if he didn't say any of that stuff, then he's kind of a weak coward. And so, like, I don't, I don't understand promoting from within for this, for this particular position group, especially taking a guy that's been under Keith Carter, and then saying, "Hey, now we're gonna just instead of doing something different that helps this team, we're gonna bring in someone with less experience, and as an offensive line coach at the pro level." And say, okay, now coach our guys. Maybe he's Ben Jones's drinking buddy, and this is the end that they need to make sure that Ben Jones doesn't retire. The the crazy thing to me, and and I don't, I don't know what Mike Sullivan's situation is, whether he wants to be an offensive line coach or not. Yeah, because that was Mike, that when you said that this guy was an assistant offensive line coach, is like, no, I think that's Mike Sullivan, isn't it? Well, hoteling was brought in uh, a couple years ago as like the second assistant offensive line coach uh, under Keith Carter, to, along with Sullivan. Sullivan's been there since 2014. Like he predates Vrabel um, and has been on an assistant offensive line coach the whole time. And prior to that, he had been uh, an offensive line coach. Um, with the Browns and with the Chargers. So he's done like the primary position coach job before has a ton of experience. So I don't, I, I'm not sure why he doesn't, you know, get the opportunity here um, unless he just doesn't want it. Maybe he just is like, I, I'm not really into those hours anymore. I just want to do what, you know, you know, almost, you know, who knows what his situation is, but, it's just odd. It's just odd that that hoteling, who has almost no experience at the NFL level, all of it coming in the last what two years, two under years, Keith Carter, as things were in decline uh, with the Titans' offensive line, is the guy that gets the promotion. I, I mean, look, who knows? For all we know, I don't know anything about hoteling besides just what you can read on his Wikipedia um, and you know where he's been, whatever. Well, listen, um, he tutored Wagner's record-setting quarterback Nick Doshler who finished his career ranked first in school history and second in conference history with 8,044 yards of total offense. Dosher's 6,100 passing yards also established a team record. Well, if you're telling me that they got the guy that produced Doshler, then this changes everything. Everything. And, uh, I take it all back, hoteling for, for hey, offense. He coached quarterback Jeff Matthews, who led the Ivy League in attempts 
in uh, 2013 before signing talk, a rookie for agent contract. You're talking in, about uh, the Jeff Matthews? The Jeff Matthews, former Atlanta oh, Falcons uh, rookie, great Jake Matthews. Um, I feel so bad because we're just making fun of someone's career, and he's just doing the best that he can. He's, and, you know, he made, and that's what I'm saying. Like, he could be a really good coach. For all we know, like, he's a super bright guy uh that has some really good ideas or is a really good teacher and and you know Vrabel loves him and has but thought likely he, he be... could just funnel a beer the fastest or maybe yeah or maybe he's just you know got some really funny jokes in the deer stand i you know we don't know that uh, luke steckles now the team's run game analyst luke steckle who was surprisingly interviewed for the chargers offensive coordinator position which is a always a it's always a good sign when you see random coaches get hired because that means there's good things being said about them behind the scenes then, but I don't understand why you're removing him from tight ends, coach, because the tight ends, while unremarkable outside of Chig and Austin Hooper, looking at you, Jeff Swain, there was growth there, right? They were like the best position group, I guess you could say, on the offense was the was probably the tight ends. And you're taking away the guy that pretty much put Chig on the map, you know, for this team and made him in a viable playmaker and coached him up. and. You're putting them on the rent game side, which is, yes, as a tight end coach, you are involved in the design of the run game and the pass game and all that kind of stuff. But just very interesting that they're just totally moving them, removing every position group from him and just solely making him a run game analyst. And, uh, you know, those positions are really interesting to me because, I mean, you've got the passing game coordinator and, and, you know, Hoteling doesn't have this on his title, but when Keith Carter was here and he didn't have it on his title either, he was the de facto run game coordinator. He was kind of the one that was, you know, designing the run game, working with Todd Downing as far as like what kind of run calls they wanted to have in each week versus different looks, different fronts, that kind of thing. So I would imagine Hoteling's going to have that same responsibility without anybody having the actual title of run game coordinator. Um, so I, I really would love to know what this pass game analyst and run game analyst, what these positions really do. Um, I mean, it doesn't seem like, it seems like it's got to be a relatively important role, given the fact that, like you said, Stecco did get offensive coordinator interview or one offensive coordinator interview. Um, and, and O'Hara, I've always thought has done a pretty good job um as quarterback coach now like obviously Malik Willis didn't come along like anyone hoped but if you look at what he did with Josh Dobbs as far as getting re him ready to play uh in what eight days or whatever it was before he had that first start against the Cowboys and he looked pretty competent he looked like he knew the offense that kind of thing oh he did good work there too so and you know Tannehill's had the best years of his career here under O'Hara so I, I can't imagine this is like a demotion or them putting him out to pasture or anything like that I, I, I got I got a little conspiracy theory great. for you. Okay. Okay, here's what I got. For Luke Steckel, at least. I'll come up with one for Pat O'Hare while I talk. Um, Luke Steckel, you know, Mike Vrabel said, I, I when I talk about loyalty and coaching staff loyalty and all this stuff in his end of the season press conference, he talked about coaches that maybe are looking for opportunity, constantly looking for opportunities elsewhere. Well, we know that Luke Steckel got on people's radar, and he went over and looked elsewhere. Maybe this is a demotion for Luke Steckel, and, he, and they're saying, hey, we know you didn't get a job, and we know no one else wants you, and we want to move on from you. So we'll just give you a silly little title like run game analyst and uh, just just have some fun, collect a paycheck. 
Well, Vrabel did say uh, what he talked about the yeah, the loyalty thing, right? It was uh, right. you know I want coaches that are loyal, not out there looking for the next job, yeah. and uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, and maybe Pat O'Hare is being moved away from quarterbacks coach because he does offer a lot of insight. Maybe he's going to pass game analysts though, um, because he didn't develop Malik Willis, and maybe that's a big issue because you know Rand Carthon did say he wants Malik Willis to be Patrick Mahomes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> of course. Of course, yeah. Breaking news. Uh, GM would like shitty QB to more, be more like best QB in the league. That's. Uh... But I, I do have to say that all this running it back kind of feeling and all, all of this that's going on makes me really believe that they're, they are going to maybe invest a little bit more effort into Malik Willis. Doesn't this kind of look that way? You bring, you keep a guy that kind of was already around who, who developed Deshaun Watson. You still keep Pat O'Hara on. You got, you know, you move Luke Steckel around. You got this other, you got, you keep the same kind of like offensive line coaching tree going. And you bring in Charles London, who worked with Desmond Ritter, who made Desmond Ritter improve week after week or helped Desmond Ritter improve. So he knows firsthand what Arthur Smith did to, make Desmond Ritter passable. So maybe there's a little bit more RPOs coming. Maybe there's a little bit of this. It kind of looks like they're going to start investing because this is not a coaching staff that I would be comfortable bringing in like a Bryce Young into or someone like that. Like this is, this is a coaching staff for the people already on that for the players already on the roster. This is the coaching staff trying to get the pick for, for Caleb Williams. (laughs) Um, Then then you fire everybody and and stuff. (laughs) Not are the good coaches. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, to me, I would just be so surprised if Malik Willis was anything but a lost cause at this point. I mean, I, I, I would too, but it maybe they think something else. I don't know. It, like listen, I, let me let me say something. Hard to judge Malik with the unit he had around him last year. No, it isn't. Thank you. Thank you for your input. It's incorrect. I, that is wrong. It's not hard to judge him. Can he get it, better? Yes, but he's a backup. It's it's just it's set in stone. I think it, I think the supporting cast was poor around him, but he was also terrible. I, yeah, I think I think terrible. both are true. Josh Dobbs just really proved everything you need to know about Malik Willis, in my opinion. But hey, maybe because he started coming, maybe because Malik Willis started coming in earlier with one week left to go in the season, maybe he'll carry that over into the off season and he'll actually come in early and put in some work. Seven forty five instead of eight. Yeah, maybe he'll come in at seven forty five instead of eight. I don't know what time he was coming in, but like it was funny because it's like a week left in the season. Well, Malik started coming in a little earlier. Well, <laughs> better late than fucking never, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but I, 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 so I we don't, don't have a running this... back coach, right? No, no running back coach right now. So they still got to hire that. I, well, maybe, maybe they'll hire Thomas Brown. They'll make me happy. Hire Thomas Brown or Justin Otten or something. I don't fucking know. This is a disaster. No There's no way. Those guys, those guys are only taking OC jobs at this point. Um, you know, everybody in the NFL's thinking right now is like everybody that still has an offensive coordinator position open. Everybody's just thinking, oh, hey, look you. at these fucking idiots. Thank you, thank you so much. It's like the people. You know how we made fun of <laughs> Brian Schottenheimer getting hired by the Cowboys. Yeah, this is just as bad, except for that. Uh, Tim Kelly's going to be calling the plays. Uh, <laughs> you like that's. This is going to be the same. The Colts fans are probably having the same reaction right now that we're going to have when they hire Jeff Saturday as the full-time yeah. coach. 
Um, okay, so let's talk about the implications of this. Um, I guess let's start with go down my list real quick of stuff that we were going to talk about. Um, <laughs> let's start with if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're you're getting high in that little black room of his <laughs> that has no lights on that he just shits and pisses in the dark and wears all black. And the then dark, you see the, the ghost street. of Tim. You see Tim Kelly's silhouette come to you. If you're Aaron Rodgers, do you run away from the silhouette or do you embrace it and say, I want to go to Tennessee? I think you run away because Tim, Tim Kelly's silhouette looks a little bit like a, like a Yeti. Uh, <laughs> he's very Yeti-ish. Yeah. I, I, if, so ex- former uh, or current NFL execs had p- posited the idea that, that the Tennessee Titans would be a good fit for Aaron Rodgers. And I think that him and Mike Vrabel would mesh and all this stuff. And then you see the shit that he put, talks about on Tuesday where he's going into the room and, you know, he's wearing all black and he's got all this. He hasn't even decided if he's going to play full time, what he's going to do. First off, I did before these hires, I never thought that this was going to be a good fit. And I didn't really ever think it was happening. Who cares what two NFL execs say may be a good fit when you give them the choice of like, all the open positions. Secondly, this is definitely not going to happen because who in their right fucking mind wants to come and saddle themselves for the last few years to this fucking coaching step besides Mike Vrabel? <laughs> like Aaron Rodgers, I think this is kills it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, like nobody's no quarterback in their right mind would choose to come here at this point. Like that, that yeah. is such a farce. Like it, give me a break on like the Lamar Jackson stuff, the uh, Aaron Rodgers stuff, any of that, like who's going to come to Tennessee and be like, Hey, you know what? They have no proven receivers. They have an offensive coordinator who, you know, is not very popular. Doesn't seem to be uh, that great. Their, their quarterbacks coach who's going to be working with me is a former running back who uh, you know, has been a running backs coach for all but two of his career uh, seasons as a, a coach. Um, they have a running back who they want to give the ball to 35 times a game anyways. And uh, by the way, he can't really catch passes very well. So why do I want to go to Tennessee if I'm a quarterback? That Like in no way, shape or form, unless it's just like Aaron Rodgers is just like, hey, I love Braves and Braves is my boy. And I just want to like, chill and do ayahuasca in Vrabel's basement or whatever i like i that would be the one thing but i i don't think graves is a ayahuasca guy so for a team who does not like to pass the ball having a passing game coordinator and a passing game analyst on top of uh a run game uh, first off i on top of having the offensive coordinator as well that seems like such a fucking waste of titles like that is just a waste of paper for business cards, a waste of time for the janitor to change the the plaque out on the door, you know, shifting, you know, who's in what office. This seems ridiculous. They don't even like passing the ball. Why do they need a passing game analyst and a passing game coordinator? Well, they, they just want to study the things that other teams do. Um, <laughs> so Todd, like da- our, uh, the Pat O'Hara is just going to be sitting there and say, well, this team's doing this. And then someone's going to be like, well, but we run the ball here. So, you know, <laughs> it's like, that's pretty it's cool. Like, <laughs> they're just spinning in their chairs during the meetings. Like, <laughs> Pat O'Hara is like, well, the, you know, the chiefs are doing this really cool concept. Maybe we should incorporate it. And yeah, they're like, ah, Oh, we're just going to give it to Henry. <laughs> what was the, uh, the, someone in the chat will have to help, but what was the, um, 
the uh, the games in the office where they where they played like the Olympic games when Mike and when Michael um, Scott left. Oh, I don't know what those uh, were called, but that's what they're probably doing in the passing game coordination room. Is like Mike Vrabel leaves and they just fucking do whatever they want. They're just like doing these little like Olympics, you know, ball uh, tossed and uh, Flergenton. Yes, Flergenton. Thank you. That's it. Yeah, they, they're doing Flergenton when he's gone, and then when he comes back, you know, all that. Um, okay. I know we're going through a couple different things, but I need to jump back into Todd Downing real quick because this is a question I've seen a few different times. Why wasn't Downing fired earlier in the year if they were just going to promote Tim Kelly again? Like, why not just fire him? I kept screaming this, and you're like, well, he's probably not that good. And look, they just fucking gave him the full-time job. Just mad. I mean, I think it's just because they didn't didn't, uh, didn't believe that they, or I don't think Brable believes in making mid-season coaching changes. I just think that's like something that he feels is more disruptive than anything else, than then it's going to be helpful. Whether he's right or wrong. These guys got at least a full year of job security because they get fucking fired in the season. Right, yeah. I mean, like, right or wrong, I think that's, I think that's just what it is. I, I think uh, Brable doesn't believe that it would have helped. It would have just been more of a distraction, more of a disruption than, you know, just riding it out. But, I mean... Like, this is fucking it, terrible. I'm so in retrospect, I know I'm smiling and laughing, but I'm crying on the inside because I have to talk about this all off season now. Well, no, no, we don't because we did. I mean, it's such it's such a boring hire. This will be the only time we really talk about it because nobody's gonna give a shit about any like insight about like what is Tim Kelly's offense gonna look like. Well, I already wrote about it. It's gonna look the fucking same. Okay, go back is. to broadwaysportsmedia.com, Search for Tim Kelly. Yeah, you wrote it. Click on the year. article that says, "Hey, what does an offense with Tim Kelly look like?" Hey, I fucking already wrote about it because yeah, I thought that it, hey, like, he's passing game coordinator. This will be great. Yeah, what kind of pass co- concepts is he gonna bring? Well, apparently he either brought the shitty ones or none at all. So, okay. So now. I've been a big proponent of if the Titans got their guy in the draft, go up a trade for him. And I still believe in that core concept, but now I am actively rooting against it because I don't want Bryce Young or CJ Stroud to have to be on this team. I so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far to root against it because like look at what uh like great quarterbacks can overcome some shitty coaching uh to some degree. Um especially like I mean position coaching and, and things like that. I I think you can overcome that. Like I mean look at uh Justin Herbert and um what Lombardi, Joe Lombardi. Like everyone knows he's a shitty offensive coordinator. Um Herbert's still a great quarterback. Like that the play calling, I think is one thing the the quarterback play is another so still give me the just still give me Justin Herbert um even if we have to fire this coaching staff uh in a year or two and <laughs> replace them all again um but yeah I still want the talented quarterback like if they if they truly believe and and we talked about this a little bit uh back and forth on Twitter if they truly believe that one of these guys is the guy like the guy that can be and to me i think the bar is like can you join the patrick mahomes josh allen joe burrow uh elite class of quarterbacks in the nfl like do you have a high probability of hitting that ceiling and that to me is the line that i would draw if i'm going to trade up to the number one overall pick 
to draft a quarterback. Now, if you're taking some guy at 11, I think maybe you'd say, all right, we're probably pretty happy with him if he's Jalen Hurts or if he's, uh, you know, I don't know who, what mid-level, like, you know, Dak Prescott. Um, like, you're probably pretty happy with that result if you're drafting him 11th and you don't have to trade up or make any, or like give up future first and all that to, to get him. But if you're giving up three fucking first round picks for this quarterback, he better fucking be elite. Like he better be a guy that changes the outcome of your team in a material way. And you're hoping that this guy turns into Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson without the uh, sexual uh, misconduct allegations and charges of uh, sexually assaulting 65 different women. Uh, So you, you hope that he becomes that. Unless they think that Malik Wills, for whatever reason, is going to be that guy, I, I I am just so con- I'm confused and perplexed because you know my my big thing when talking about the prospect of drafting Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud was going to be, hey, it's probably going to be Eric Bieniemy or Matt Nagy as the offensive coordinator because they're waiting so long. So obviously, if you get one of those guys and get one of this offensive coordinators, get one of the quarterbacks to pair him with that offensive coordinator, it's going to be awesome. And listen, yeah, I mean, maybe Bryce Young could come in or C.J. Stroud could come in and overcome this this mess of a coaching staff. But you know what? It also kind of scares me that this coaching staff, because of how they hired and who they hired, that, God, I hope Will Levis is not there at 11. Like, I am, I am terrified that if Will Levis is there at 11, they're going to draft him. And I mean, then I, I truly will be changing the colors on, on this on this fucking show. I so honestly, I don't think Levis will get to eleven. I, I think Levis. I will hope go God, I'd be terrible in that. Um, but I mean, Anthony Richardson, like I, I could, I could see it um, at eleven. I mean, honestly, like I know it sounds crazy right now, but it would not be that insane to me if Bryce Young were to fall like to eight or nine or or maybe even eleven. Uh, depending on how teams like some of these teams are going to write him completely off because of the size thing. And whether that's right or wrong, like, I don't know, but like there are going to be teams that look at him and say he's five foot 11 and 190 pounds. And he would be an outlier of outlier. Nobody's ever really succeeded at the NFL level at quarterback at that size. Um, we aren't going to take that risk. We aren't going to touch him. And I mean, and he had the shoulder injury last year and didn't he have an injury the year before that his uh, uh, 2021 season. Uh, if he, he did, he I don't think it, at some point, I don't he? think it really missed any time. Okay. Uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm confusing him with someone else then, but um, either way, had the shoulder injury last year, small stature, all that stuff. Um I think some teams are going to knock him for that. And I think, you know, whether that's the Texans or the Colts um, who are the, like the obvious quarterback teams in the top five, or, um, you know, even like the Panthers who I think are, are quarterback thirsty as well. Um, you know, I, I don't know what their criteria is going to be. I mean, if you look at who uh, Frank Reich has preferred at quarterback, I mean, it's all like these bigger statuesque kind of, uh, quarterbacks that look more like Will Levis, um, frankly. So for from a Panthers standpoint, maybe that's a direction they would go. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that Bryce Young's sitting there at 11 and everyone's going, oh, my God, can you believe Bryce Young's falling? I think it's possible. <sighs> Mike, um, I, I just 
at this point, it has to be it's on the wall. I don't know if Derrick Henry's gonna play at the current number, but he's playing for the Tennessee Titans. I know that Ryan Tannehill is definitely not gonna play at his current number, and he's playing for the Tennessee Titans. Do you think both those statements are like ninety percent true? It's T- Tannehill and Henry and nobody else. I think Henry's definitely back. I'm I'm like I so here's what I think happens at this point. I think the most likely scenario is that Tannehill is not moved until potentially after the draft. If they were to trade up and take one of these guys in the draft, maybe then you look at trading him or doing something else. I think and- that's a I think that's a smart idea because I mean there's no there's no better way to maximize your value than to wait till everybody has filled up their quarterback room and try to trade Ryan Tannehill then. I mean, I, I just don't think I don't think you're I don't think the Titans are going to leave themselves with no viable starting quarterback heading yeah. into the draft and like in picking eleventh. Like you just can't do that unless they were to trade up a couple weeks before the draft or in March or something like that. And then you know you're sitting at number one. You know you're going to draft your guy. You know you're going to start your guy. Um, then you look to trade Tannehill and move off and get that salary cap savings and all that stuff. But but most likely, I think the Scenario is that they either restructure or extend Tannehill, and then they could still look at drafting a guy and pairing him with Tannehill, and whoever wins, wins the job. And, you know, if they can trade Tannehill, great. If not, you know, cut him or move on from him next year. But I think think Tannehill's probably on the roster next year, most likely. Yeah. I'd say 90% for that. Yeah, that's where where I'm at, 90%. I mean, there are are chances. Oh man. I mean this 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 whole thing is just a disaster and I think this is the worst possible scenario outside of like keeping Todd Downing uh, employed was this outcome, right? Not firing Todd Downing. If I had to construct a weird silly dumb scenario, it would be pretty much keeping your entire offensive staff together, adding in adding in some random guy and then promoting Tim Kelly. Like this is like a, a nightmare scenario, you know, for me. Wouldn't you say this is the worst scenario that could have been? It's uh, it's up there for sure. I mean, I guess like worst case would have been, you know, no Charles London either. Um, I I don't, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe that's, Maybe that's putting way too much on Charles London uh, yeah. shoulders to save this from, you know, being a total disaster. But I, I think the like moving guys around seems random a little bit. I mean, maybe there's some more sense to it than uh, what's like readily available. But it's definitely, uh, I, I, it's hard to make sense of it just looking at it on paper and say. And, okay, and sure, he's going to be just... in front of the media at 4.30, which is a because he has two and a half hours to plan whatever smart-ass snide remark he's going to have for everybody. When Because everybody should be grilling him, wondering, you know, okay, so what was his, what was Tim Kelly's involvement last year? You say he's passing game coordinator, but if that's the case, then why are you hiring some guy that didn't even get you 3,000 yards passing? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I hope he gets questions like that in I, his press I, conference because yeah. – and also, you know, I think that they have to figure, they have to ask the questions of, 
why are we moving all these position coaches around to different spots? I mean, I, I hope this is not a situation where he's going to say, oh, well, we really like our coaching staff to be well-rounded and cross-trained. Fuck that shit. This is the NFL. Yeah. This is not cross-training. This is you, you specialize in a position. You get really fucking good at coaching it, and you uh, either get promoted or just stay coaching that position. There's no, like, cross-training, fucking spare me, uh, that answer, if, if that is the, the route he goes on some of that. Yeah, there needs to be a lot of questions. I don't think there needs to be as many questions about Charles Lennon, Chris Harris, uh, Lori Locus, or Justin Hamilton, to be honest with you. I don't think that those hires need to be the focus point. I know that someone's probably going to ask, you know, a question about someone's family or something, because that's what they they love, you know, these human interest piece stories that don't fucking matter in the NFL world. Um, but, I mean, there just looks like to me, and, and Jabari Martin put it up, Shuffling the deck on the Titanic. I mean, that's what it seems like. So let's, I want to end with this because we, we both love Mike Frable and we both talk about how smart of a coach he is. And he went on the record and said, I've learned a lot about hiring my staff and I think we're going to hire a great staff. It's pretty much what he said, but he said he's learned a lot. This does not seem like a guy that learned anything. If this offensive staff fails again and we're talking that this team barring injuries this team goes in and looks a lot like 2021 and 2022 offense where they're not getting production they're not modernized where do you put mike vrabel on when when does mike vrabel get the blame because this seems like to me this is like 2021 to 2022 and now 2023 is not looking good at some point mike vrabel has to get the blame is he just doing this purposely so he can have an easier out to go to Ohio State? I mean, it, I think this is I think now is the time he is officially like this offensive staff is on him. Uh cuz I like I think people do understand the idea of like he had this staff together, it was working um offensively and he decided, all right, well, we're just going to slide downing in for Arthur Smith. He's had, he had play calling experience before. I think everyone understood the reasoning behind that one when, when he made that move to elevate downing. Um, but I, I think, I think now that that's failed once and this feels the same, this feels like, okay, you're just doing another internal promotion, you know, from a guy who maybe doesn't totally deserve it. Um, who has called plays before and like had mixed bag success. Like I, I still think Tim Kelly actually did a pretty decent job as a play caller for the Texans for the most part. Um, but it's not like he was blowing people away. Um, well, nobody hired him for an offensive coordinator position and nobody right. even attempted to interview him this year. Right, exactly. So it's, it's not like the people are banging down Tim Kelly's door here. Um, so... I think now you look at Vrabel and you say, okay, if this doesn't work, then this is on him. And I don't know whether that means he's fired if, if this offense doesn't work, uh, because I think there's still some context of like, they've got to totally rebuild the offensive line. They've got to, you know, still add multiple weapons at receiver. They've still got to figure out the quarterback position and what they want to do there, whether it's Tannehill or whatever. Um, so there's stuff that we can look at and say, Okay, personnel, how much did Rand Carthon help him here? But at the end of the day, the offensive staff's job is to elevate whatever they've got there. So if we feel like from a talent standpoint, they bring in enough guys that they should be a 
you know, top 10, top 15, whatever offense, and they fail to hit that mark, I think you do have to start looking at Vrabel and saying, okay, what the hell is wrong with you <laughs> and, and your coaching decisions here? Um, you know, so. talking about casting a wide net and then going out and making these hires does not scream, I did due diligence. I did enough due diligence. Now, maybe he feels that way, but from the outside looking in, I would like to know and we'll probably never know. How many people did you interview for the offensive coordinator position? How many of those were on other teams? Because at this point, we only know that the confirmed interviews are Charles London, Justin Otten, and Tim Kelly. We we know they've requested interviews, but we don't know of any confirmed interviews. We don't even really know Justin Otten interviewed. For and sure. Now, both London and Otten were confirmed not confirm what position they were interviewing for, correct? Mm. Like they were right. just interviewing for position. Now London was confirmed to do offensive coordinator, but Otten was offensive staff. So maybe he could still be your running backs coach because he did do a lot with the run game over in Denver. But at this point, I, I just wonder how wide was this net that you cast? So how many people did you interview? And And at this point, if you're not interviewing, I think six or seven people for your offensive coordinator position, specifically people that are in the Super Bowl and you're not casting that wide of a net and it's like, oh, we interviewed Luke Steckel, Tim Kelly, uh, and Charles London. That's not enough. That's not casting a wide net and that's doing a disservice for your franchise, for your players, and for your owner. And and Amy Armstrong, I don't know. Like, this right here cannot sit well with Amy Armstrong, I would have to imagine, right? I don't know. I mean, I, I I would imagine that they discuss this at least because uh, this is a pretty important move from a franchise standpoint. Uh, I have to imagine, and she you know, she was all about collaboration and wanting to be in the loop and all that. I can't imagine Brable just went and made this move without talking to her about it or her signing off on it to some degree. Um, I would say that it's just, one, she's probably one, just like, okay, Mike, looking at the list, this is what you want. I mean, there I guess so. I mean, you know, like, like maybe she's just like, this is what you want. I would have, because me, I would look at the, this list. If he brought me this plan and I have to approve it, I'd look at it and go, uh, no, no. Are you, are you high and drunk right now? Do we need to get you <laughs> drug tested? Uh, did but, you drive here? Please tell me you lifted here. The, my other, my other scenario here that I feel like we have to throw it out is like, what if they just couldn't get any of these other guys interested? Like what if Auten and um, you know, Maggie and Bienemy and all these guys, what if they just weren't interested? What if they were like, you want me to come coach Ryan Tannehill with zero offensive line and zero receivers? Like, no, thank you. I am not interested. Maybe Mike Grable's, um, hey, all roads go through me. And they are like, no, I need some autonomy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or that Vrabel says, uh, uh, yeah, you're going to run the ball on 70% of your first downs. Uh, that's a, a rule around here. And they're like, no, fuck that. I'm, I'm not doing that and putting it on my resume. Um, I think it's certainly possible that they struck out on other coaches uh, that they might have liked to hire. I, that's not um, outside of the question. And I would certainly understand it if other coaches looked at this job and were like, eh, I don't really want that on my resume. I don't want to, I don't want to like, peg my uh, future head coaching opportunities based off of what they've got there right now. Like it was different when they had AJ Brown and a good offense line and things like that. Uh, but uh, you know, now it's a much harder sell. I think um, 
really to any offensive coordinator because you just there's not there's not parts and pieces that you're excited about on this offense. You've got a 30 year old running back, and that's it. Like you know, and, and a tight end that you're excited about, and and a wide receiver that you're kind of excited about. Um, but you know, both of those guys are just so young. You don't know what kind of direction they're going to head uh, at this point. But I think it's possible. Yeah, they just said fuck off, and he was like, okay, I'm stuck with Tim Kelly. <laughs> so one last question, one last question before I. You know, I've got one go, more for go to, you. Okay, well, I, I, I'm going to go drown my sorrows at Jaspers. They don't have two for ones, but, you know, if, if my feelings are hurt, my wallets need to hurt. So yeah, who, who full, gives a full shit? Full price sorrows. Full price. Let's do it. <laughs> um, so one last question. Is there a possibility, because Tim Kelly comes from the spread offense of Bill O'Brien, which is the pro-style spread offense. Now, he has one year with this the West Coast offense, are we going to see a different kind of scheme? I think it's possible because of the change at offensive line coach. Like if they had kept Keith Carter and just promoted Tim Kelly, I, I would have said, no, they're going to stick to the same you know, overall scheme that we've seen. But I do think there's a chance that this moves in a different direction, especially, I mean, like everybody's kind of shuffling roles here. So if there's ever a time to like really make some significant change to the structure of what this offense looks like, I think it's now with, you know, just different people in different places and, and obviously Tim Kelly taking over. Okay. What's your question for me? My question for you, why is, why is Charles London making this move? Cause I mean, he was a quarterback's I... coach in, in Atlanta. Were they just not willing to give him the passing game coordinator title there or? I I don't know what appeals him over here other than maybe it is the fact that I don't know maybe he thinks that Malik he loves challenges he is specific so here we go here we go here's 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 my official stance on this he loves a challenge he actively seeks out to challenge himself he wants to always better himself and he think he saw what we saw. Malik Wills fucking sucks. He stinks. And he says, you know what I'm going to fucking do? I'm coming in there. And his way he said in the, his interview, listen, I love a challenge. I'm coming in there and I am coming for Malik Willis's butt. And we are going to make him be a top quarterback. We're going to make him be Patrick Mahomes. And Art GMRC and Mike Vipper are like, it's our fucking guy right there. Passing game coordinator, baby. So you're thinking like maybe what 125 yards passing in a game? Yes, next yeah, year? yeah, we'll be able to get it. He'll make those improvements. That's the only thing I can think of is that like he legit said he wants a challenge, and this is probably the the biggest challenge you could face as a young quarterback coach than coming into an offense built like this, and you have to make sure that Ryan Tannehill looks good, and or Malik Willis and a rookie looks good in this in this offense. Like that is this challenge, I guess. Maybe Art Smith was just tired of that. This uh, Duke motherfucker, you know, he's a, you know, Art Smith is Tar Heel, and I know they are good friends, but maybe he's like, man, I don't know. I just really need this Blue Devil out of here. I, I think the one, here. the one case you could make maybe would be that like the offensive success in Atlanta is always going to like go to yeah Arthur Smith, like credit wise. Whereas like if he comes here and the passing and the, game starts <laughs> to look really good, then he'll get more more credit for it. Um, or if when it sucks, <laughs> or if it yeah, sucks, yeah. Uh, they're going to know, well, that's all Art Smith, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a so. very risky move because if this it offense, is. if these quarterbacks suck and, and this offense does not get better, then you pretty much you you had it good over Atlanta. You you're you're with Art Smith. Maybe he thinks Art Smith is a lame duck head coach. Maybe he thinks Tennessee will get him more notoriety for an offensive coordinator position later on down the road. Maybe he thinks that Tim Kelly's a lame duck, and he's like, hey, I just got to wait one more year. And you know what this team does? They just promote from within. Yeah, uh, always. As an exclusive rule. I mean, okay. Would you rather have Brian Schottenheimer or Tim Kelly? Hey, give me Tim Kelly. Schottenheimer is <laughs> okay. just such okay. a proven failure. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot more meat on the bones of Tim Kelly's career if I wanted to at least spin it positively. There's well, a lot of bo- a lot of meat left on Tim Kelly's career as far as an offensive coordinator. We have only seen what two one and a half years of being a play caller, but only like two or three years of being an offensive coordinator. Whereas Brian, Sch- Brian Schottenheimer, you know, chased away uh, Trevor Lawrence, and he's been proven to be a bad offensive play caller, bad offensive coordinator. Um, and I'll say this. The the problem with being one of these contrarians on Twitter that says, well, you all wanted Tim Kelly last year, uh, you know, to be offensive coordinator in the middle of the season. Now you got him and now the sky's falling. Did you not watch the whole entire year? And all we said was he's got to be better than Todd Downing. And all we've said since the offseason is being just better than Todd Downing is not good enough for the next OC. It needs to be a higher bar. We, at the time, were trying to save the Titans' season. This does not save the Titans' season. Uh, and and it was it was never a hey. It's we think Tim Kelly is... takes and your and your stupid ass copying each other on Twitter because you all can't come up with your own ideas and shove it up your ass. <laughs> but and I also think that like we've got to say that the Tim Kelly, uh, most of the Tim Kelly chafing for the fan base last year was not a. Hey, we think Tim Kelly is like the greatest offensive coordinator in the world. It was, hey, anyone's got to be better than this guy. Um, It's like we wanted anybody but Dennis Daly. We wanted anybody but Todd Downing. And like your choices to replace Todd Downing were not like all of the coordinators that are available in the market. Like it was the guys that are on staff and out of the guys on staff, that was the one that made the most sense. So now that your choices are all of the coordinators that are on the market, of course the opinions change because you would like to see them shoot higher, aim higher. Maybe they just did and missed, but I don't know. And But one thing I do want to uh, uh, give credit to here. Uh, so Tony Dews, I forgot about this. Tony Dews was a tight end um, in college. That was the position he played. So him actually going to tight end uh, coach makes a little bit of sense there. Now, I, you know, who knows who the running back coach is going to be or whatever. Um, maybe they'll, maybe they'll hire – would this save the uh, the coaching staff for you if they Listen, hire he has Ben coached Jones? Every position, but the quarterback position. Yeah, he's coached everywhere. Like he really has. He, he has a wide, wide background. Um, say they say they hire Ben Jones after he retires as offensive as assistant running offensive backs line coach, coach. or running or backs running backs coach. coach. <laughs> um, would that save the offensive uh, the offensive coaching staff for you? Uh no. No, there's, there's nothing. <laughs> you don't me. care. Uh, no, um, I, I will say this. Uh, I want to leave you with one awful take that I heard this week. And it, I um, think I heard it yesterday. 
it was on Buck's show, of course. Um, and he he said that Brian Schottenheimer was once a name synonymous with offensive the offensive revolution in the NFL. Was he? No, he fucking wasn't. I don't know what Buck is just saying. He's just saying shit. But what a what a horrible thing to say. It was just it was just something that made me laugh. It's just as bad as his little contrarian take, you know, on here. Um, that's gonna do it for us. Once again, come join me at Jasper's. I'll be there uh indefinitely, just drinking every day, developing alcoholism, hoping that the hoping hoping that my liver fails and it takes me. It takes me because I am so I'm so at least I'll say this. One silver lining in all this is that possibly Rand Carthon can assemble a team with young players and free agents in the draft and can assemble a team that not even this coaching staff could fuck up. I have that much faith in RC that he's gonna all pull right. us he's gonna pull us out of it. How about that? I hope he likes challenges too. Yeah. Um that will do it for us. Go Jaspers, Nashville. Uh, stacking the inbox.substack.com. I wrote a great piece today on Tuesday that's in your inbox already. It's two thousand over two thousand words talking about Rand Carthon and what he has said at the senior bowl last week and what he has shown in the past drafting players from the senior bowl. Ties it all into Mike Vrabel, who's obviously a fucking liar. So I don't know why he even did that because Mike Vrabel cannot be trusted with the words that come out of his mouth. Uh to, to on Wednesday. Mike will have an article up on podcarski.com. I will also have an article on stacking the inbox on substack.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Edwards pod. This could be one of the very last episodes that we do as a Titans podcast as we are shifting gears and uh, pivoting. Uh, if everybody else is pivoting to new positions, we might as well as <laughs> while we're at it. Um, but for Mike, my name's Zach. This has been a wild episode, probably one of our best episodes of football <laughs> and other F-words. And you and us and the Titans fans and the Titans players have just been effed.